All right, everybody, welcome back. Here we go, another episode. Lex, what's up, man? How you doing? What's good? What's good? What's good, man? Everything is good. A little hungry, but you know, we're gonna push through. Hey. You know, we got big things to talk about. I'm about. I booked my ticket for Dubai. I booked my ticket for Vegas. I got my 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 F1 front front row tickets. My my Shakur tickets for two hundred dollars. Slip. I was about to say you, you probably bought all them shits on Groupon. Exactly. Ringside for two hundred dollars. Uh, racing track side for two hundred dollars. We're good. Good to go. I just booked the room at the Circus Circus, and they gave me a front row seat. <laughs> <laughs> but um uh you know that you're booked for the wrong place right am i for which which event well i mean there ain't no event in dubai pal so where is, is how do you say rita rider riada i think it's Riyadh, which is Riyadh? in saudi arabia but you're about to find yourself in a whole other place that you probably aren't welcome in. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to be at that event, to be honest. Um, I'm very disappointed anyway, in all the participants. <laughs> let's first talk about what we got coming up. The more timely issue here, which is that Shakur Stevenson will return to the ring tomorrow night. We're recording this on Wednesday. Tomorrow is Thursday. And we got Shakur Stevenson fighting at lightweight against Edwin De Los Santos. And it's on a Thursday night. So let's address the obvious thing here, which is uh, how you feel about getting a fight like this on a night like tomorrow? I mean, like, as a hardcore boxing fan, I don't think it makes a difference. Like, if you're going to watch, you're going to watch. I think they're doing Shakur a disservice by, like, putting the fight in, like, an awkward time slot. I don't think it's going to, like, help his profile or anything like that. So... Yeah, and um, they've come out and said basically like this was not – I mean maybe they're just saying this. I don't know. But what they're saying is the, the decision for this fight to happen on a, on a Thursday night was at the request of ESPN. That ESPN wanted them to put this fight on Thursday presumably because they have the F1 coming up this weekend, which will be taking place in Las Vegas. Now to that, I say so what? Put it on, like on ESPN Plus, if you really need to. But like, there's no reason for 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 this fight to be happening on a Thursday night, especially because you got to go head to like F1 is really small in the U.S. And I don't think Shakur Stevenson is like a big draw outside of the U.S. Period. So like, who's truly benefiting from this guy being fighting on on Thursday? And like, to me, the thing that like that I'm taken aback by is like. If you look at the top-ranked stable right now, there's not that much to be excited about. You know, they are in a transition phase. They don't got a lot of A-tier guys. The closest they have is Shakur at this point. You say maybe Tiafimo, I'll give you that. They, they, you know, there may be one or two other guys. But by and large, it's Tiaf, uh, is Shakur Stevenson. And not only that, Shakur is primed to be in negotiations and potentially fighting against these other dudes who bring a lot more to the table than he does like a Devin Haney, Javante Davis um or even like in house you know you talk about a TFEMO like that is a fight that could potentially take place at some point in the future. Shakur's a little bigger than people realize. I don't I don't I don't know if people are just sleeping on that fact. But to me I, I'm like just like 
of all the fights you could have put right now, I don't think that this is going to be a big platform. Wouldn't you rather have someone else fighting on a Thursday? And especially, this will be arguably Shakur's toughest test to date. You know? So, like, the the whole Thursday move, I get what they're saying, and I, and I get, like, if ESPN says this, they're the ones that write the check, so what are you going to do? But for me, I'm not really a big fan of this fight happening on a Thursday. You know, you got Thursday Night Football. It's a good matchup. You got uh, the Ravens and the Bengals. You got, um, there's a little bit of NBA going on. Right. I, I know there's going to be NBA on. And so. Without even, like, looking at the schedule. You're not trying to go head-to-head with this in-season tournament now, are you? Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the, the in-season tournament, huge ratings draw. Hey, man. Everyone's tuning in for those hideous courts. You, can you imagine if they did that shit in boxing? For like the like, the Riyadh card, they put like a pink ring or some crazy shit. Like yeah, like just like with with this stupid design on the ring, it, like that is one of the biggest. I guess I don't want to say like um. I mean, what do I know? Because I I think the ratings are pretty steady for it. Like they're not that much different from what they normally would be. But like, damn, it is hard to watch with those stupid courts. But anyway, I'm not a fan of the courts at all. It just looks like NBA 2K shit, like people just making things to, to troll online. But yeah, I, I just think. So this, let me ask you a question, actually. Yeah. Well, actually, I want to say, I want to say, make a comment, mm-hmm. and then I want to ask you a question. But they're related. So, like, right. my comment is, I'm disappointed that, for as much criticism as like people want to give, PBC whether they deserve it or not, Golden Boy, whether they deserve it or not, Matchroom, whether they deserve it or not, top rank seems to always somehow escape criticism. Now, I I would be willing to say Shakur is the most important fighter on top rank's roster right now. Teofimo can't be trusted. Um, Lomachenko doesn't have the luster he, he used to have. Keyshawn is just like very young. Big baby Anderson is like not ready. Keyshawn, but go on. I'm I'm just like going through like who's there. Like Navarrete is like not a, a deal. Valdez is falling off. So like they they don't really have any other guys. So this is like your guy, Chakor, and they're kind of they they totally have dropped the ball with the promotion. There's no buzz. It's just like it's like a it's not even a fart in the wind. It's nothing. And so, like, my question is, and, and I, I've seen some of this speculation on the timeline. People are saying, like, maybe the lack of promotion has something to do with Shakur's future plans. Do you think that could be the case and that Shakur is maybe, like, has a foot out the door? Or is this something else? I think absolutely there, that is something to consider here. Whether it's true or not, I don't know, but I had floated this out to somebody a few days ago. Um, actually, it was more than a few days. It was probably like last week, but I was like, you know, the promotion for this seems really weird. And I understand like the thinking of like, oh, we're trying to piggyback off of the F1. And uh, they thought that F1 would be such a like create this like economic boom in Vegas and they would be able to get a lot of the 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 fumes or or the I don't know what it is but like when you you know I don't know fumes like when you're driving behind some some something and that they maybe get a little bit of that but what has actually happened is 
F1 has seemed to not really been the draw that Vegas thought it was going to be. Apparently, they're way in the hole in terms of this event. Which, by the way, Vegas is having a rough year if you factor in the F1 debacle, which has been both a PR disaster as well as like actual financial. But like, no one is happy about F1 happening in Vegas. Uh, it's costed a lot. It's created a bunch of inconvenience and then people obviously are not buying tickets to it. But then the other part that we've seen is the sphere, which everyone wants to talk about. And I know you bring it up all the time, but that shit is so far in debt. It is going to be a long time before they're prop. They're making profit out of that thing because of how much it costs to build and how much it costs also to maintain on a day-to-day basis. But I think, Back to Shakur, I do think that that is it is possible. Like if you're top rank, you know, if he's make not com- committing to your plan and to the future that you see for him, why would you go out of your way to send him out the door on a high? You could say, well, well, that's kind of bad business. You know, what what sign does that say to all your other guys that you're just going to try to tarnish them? if they want to explore greener pastures. And Shakur, from what we know, has has not said anything in terms of his intentions. So for all we know, he doesn't have his mind made up, or maybe he does, but like this is the kind of shit that you may look at as a guy in this position in the future and think, well, why like why should I do anything for them when they're just gonna make me look stupid on the way out? So I think it is a factor. Shakur is a free agent next year. He is in interviews said that he is going to explore that he, you know, he's basically acknowledged like, yeah, I'd be stupid to like just sign an extension. You know, I'm going to look at my options and maybe they feel took that personal. It could be, but I still think yeah, he's I mean, got like I, a I year left. Like, Go I, listen, you have way more faith in Shakur than I do. You know, when I, I, I think you're as good as the, the quality or, not the, the quality. I'm an objective. I'm an objective observer. Yeah, but but for, for okay, so like you're an objective observer. I I told you I want to keep it more real, and uh, you know just more realer. You're you're the quality the company you keep. I keep saying quality. Like so, he has Jay Prince as his manager, Andre Ward as his advisor, Terrence Crawford as his mentor, Bob Aram is his promoter, Keyshawn Davis is like his like little brother. Go on. Go on. Who are you gonna say? Uh, the, the, the Antonio Leonard guy, who the, who who the hell knows who he is? I mean, he has no one around him that gives me any confidence that I will respect any decision he makes. Now, on the flip side, if you're like Shakur's like family, you know he'll he'll get compensated very well. I like I know the top ranked style. They'll they'll overpay Shakur. To have like the pound for pound guy, the alleged boogeyman, um, and and like that'll be their thing. But like, how how good is that for boxing? How good is Riyadh for boxing? Like these these aren't like these don't help the sport. Like how this stuff works. So I don't know. Hopefully he you know has a foot out the door and, and will take a serious look at other places. But I would be extremely shocked if he made a move. I mean. You can say that, but like if you just look at the results we're getting in terms of how things are being managed right now, there's far more credence to top rank feeling uneasy about their position with him than there is that they, they that this is just business as usual. Um and that they got, you know, this is all in the bag already. 
I think that is the thing. Um, and and Aram did do an interview which kind of, where he kind of alluded to like they were discussing. That doesn't mean anything is happening, you know. Well, it just means that they're discussing, but like they are talking actively about his future. Whether that means a future where he's with top rank, uh, or they're still trying to convince him to stay around, I don't know what that would be. But um, <clears throat> but yeah. Anyway, on to the fight. He's fighting Edwin De Los Santos. Um, Edwin is best known for upsetting Jose Rayo Valenzuela uh, on the Ruiz Ortiz undercard, which I was in person in attendance for. But um, I- I've seen a lot of different variations on, on takes for this fight. I want to know where you fall on how this could potentially be playing out. I mean, I don't have any faith in De Los Santos. Um, I think, uh, you know, I, I can't say that I like enjoy watching Shakur or his whole personality, but he is a great fighter and he has a very tough style to deal with. Um, he's fought on the international stage often. He's been in a few like, like decent sized fights for someone of his like stature. Um, De Los Santos hasn't been there. Um, you know, he has one interesting win versus Ryle and beat, uh, the other dude, I forget his, his most recent fight. I mean, he looked good, but I, I, I just don't think it'll be enough. I'll be happy to be wrong if it's like highly competitive or maybe De Los Santos, you know, can land a few shots and, and make it cagey, but I, I uh, expect Shakur to do typical Shakur things, just a, you know, uninteresting, like ten-two decision. Maybe like the ju- the ref will stop, jump in and give him like a a questionable stoppage, but now that's where I'm at with it. I think that there's high likelihood that this winds up being like a twelve-zero, and I think you basically said that, but. De Los Santos is a perfect opponent for for a guy like Shakur. He's a guy that has issues with his stamina. He is a big puncher, but he's a big puncher at a certain level. I don't know, and and this is because we haven't seen him at this level, but as far as I know, his ceiling for punching is like contender level. And we have seen this numerous times in the sport where guys are consistent knockout artists until they reach a level, and then the knockouts disappear. Now, most of the time, that knockout power disappears when you get to the elite level. And I would classify Shakur amongst the elites at 135. Now, you can argue if he's elite, period. That's a conversation for another day. But for for the sake of 135, I think we could put Shakur, uh, just from the skills that we've seen him display at 130, yeah, he he belongs in the elite category. And I think De Los Santos has shown that his power is formidable. Just it seems like when he's fighting guys that are a little bit that are as good as him or a little better, that the power goes away. The so I I question whether he is going to be like the power is actually going to be effective in this fight. And furthermore, Shakur has that type of style that De Los Santos is going to have to get. I don't. I hate to say that he has to get lucky, but it, he is going to need to get lucky in a way in order to actually connect on Shakur and then have the type of follow up he's going to need. 
to change the trajectory of the fight. Now, that is, of course, unless Shakur's chinny, which I don't think we've seen Shakur fight a puncher yet thus far in his career. Um, But yeah, I, I, to me, I just think De Los Santos is a little sloppy. He's athletic. I'll give him that. But I don't think this guy is very creative offensively. I don't think he's going to have any sort of athletic edge against Shakur. Maybe he's stronger physically. But that doesn't translate to me as a guy that is going to go in there and be able to win this fight. Um, probably loses a very wide decision. I've seen the the takes a bit that Shakur could stop him. I don't know if I'd go that far. Shakur hasn't legitimately Shakur hasn't had a legitimate stoppage in a very long time. Like you could say he stopped Yoshino, but it was a phony stoppage. His stoppage versus Herring, Herring could have kept going. I mean, the ref just jumped in. It wasn't like Herring was like not responding to to punches or anything. So I, you know, I don't know. I, I think I, it was uh, again Carabolo. the only way he. I was gonna say, say I think it was, I think it was Caraballo in the the bubble. I think he stopped him to the body. Yeah, so in the bubble. I mean, it's freaking forever ago. Who's uh? What fighter was it? Where the dad was seeing the trainer was seen like gambling before the fight in the casino and they got tossed out of the bubble. <laughs> I don't remember who that is. I don't remember yeah, that I one. I wish I remember. That's hilarious. Uh, man, I really wish I remember who that was. Somebody, somebody's going to remember and you can get at me at Twitter uh, and let me know who it was, but I forgot completely. But yeah, point taken. It's been a while since Shakur's, you know, had a, a legitimate stoppage, you know, um, where where he did well, I guess he's had stoppages, but like where he's like you know he slapped somebody. No, a real stoppage where the guy is knocked down and can barely get back up, or is on the ropes unresponsive, or takes a body shot and is just like rolling around on the ground. He hasn't had one of those in it. In like, let's pull up the box work real quick. If if Shakur, I mean, if De Los Santos has the the, because he's a fast starter. Yeah. If he. 20, yeah, 2020 out. in the bubble. And <laughs> sorry, go ahead. No, it's three years. But if De Los Santos has um, yeah, both. the stamina issues, I can see him. Uh, I can see him quitting in the fight. Actually, no, nah, he, he, no, no, he won't quit because the the problem with Shakur, and this is like you said something earlier that like I wanted to touch on. Maybe I'll say it after, but. The issue with Shakur is he doesn't know how to step on the gas pedal at all. And the reason why I know that is because when he fought Valdez, who was like clearly smaller than him, there was like a whole round where Valdez was like deer in the headlights and Shakur did nothing. He just like walked, he just circled around the ring. He doesn't know how to close out. I don't know if it's like his discipline or his lack of power and he doesn't have confidence in closing out, but he just doesn't have that that like dog to just like all right like this guy's this guy's done I'm I'm shutting him down so um, that won't happen it'll take a ref to step in and like make the uh, you know make the play yeah so um, yeah I I don't know I, I I'm thinking that Shakur decision is going to be a very safe bet on this one. On the undercard, we got Emmanuel Navarrete and Robson Contesau. I think this is a it's a fair fight. Like nothing crazy for Navarrete. The only thing that you'd say is like, well, you know, 
Contessao did okay against Oscar Valdez. Didn't do too hot against Shakur Stevenson. But overall, Contessao's been like a serviceable guy. Um, there's a certain level that he just is not going to touch. But Navarrete is basically just like a guy. It's like, I mean, he's there to be hit. You just got to be able to come with something. And most of these guys have not been able to come with anything to slow this guy down. I don't know that Contessao's that guy. I mean, 35 years old. He's only got 19 pro fights. Not a puncher. This seems to me like the perfect fight where Navarrete is just going to, at some point, overwhelm this guy and stop him. I don't really understand, like, like what's the plan? Are they trying to, like, build Navarrete for Shakur? It's such, like, a weird, like... I feel like... like I don't exactly understand. <laughs> so I don't think that they're trying to do that, but I I think that that, to me, is the best play here for both of them. Why wouldn't you, like, these guys have been hovering around the same division un- literally since Shakur turned pro. And Shakur's moved up every time. It looks like Navarrete is on his heels. And why would the plan not be for Navarrete to go up to 135 and then fight Shakur at some point for that WBC title that's on the line uh, with the De Los Santos fight? It's... Like, this, to me, is the biggest fight that they can do with Shakur, where Shakur isn't going to have to put himself at a disadvantage by moving up prematurely. Like, they don't... Yeah, I guess. It's just... just doesn't feel like a, like... Doesn't feel like a a big, like... Like, no one's asking for this fight, I guess, is is my thing. Not that that, like, matters, right? Like, it's just... That's just my opinion. But, um... Right. You know, I wish that they could create more of like a uh, a natural buzz for these Shakur fights or like matchups that are like compelling a little bit versus just like we're dragging this guy from 126 that like is going to get smoked, but whatever. You know, it's a really weird phenomenon, and I don't know, it's kind of unexplainable to me why it exists. But in the Floyd era, the welterweight division outside of Floyd was still pretty hot. Like, everyone was looking for that guy. And now, with Tank being the guy at 135, it's not resulting in the other, like, satellite fights of one thirty or of 135 having that same effect. Like, people aren't interested in what Shakur is going to do because it's just another, you know, peeling back of what would potentially happen if he fought Tank or even Navarrete, you can you can toss him in there as well. Um that's it. like people just want to harp on well that he should fight Tank, while well, he should fight Tank. Like everything comes back to Tank, which is not how it was in the past, but it's a really weird way things have shifted. Uh where like the sole focus on the division, it always leads back to Tank versus like letting these things exist in their own. Now it ultimately will lead back to tank anyway but it seems like these fights can't be taken for what they are um where normally the conversation or it just seems like usually the conversation just immediately shifts to tank a little prematurely but yeah i i think well that that's the thing there's a lot of like 
me and Deuce were tweeting a little bit about how disingenuous a lot of the narratives are in the sport today. And I was, uh, I was messaging my dog Jay Proof about this as well. And the sport I I has changed. Prince, I was going to say, you need to connect no, us. No, Jay Prince. Jay Prince is not my dog. No love for the boy. Um, and the sport has changed very much. I would say starting around maybe 2000 and like, like 13, 14, somewhere around there. Like something happened in the sport that I'll spare you for now. That has shifted how a lot of these stories are told, conversations happen, narratives are written, and it doesn't really help the sport. It just results in a lot of like what you just said, where it's like it just comes back to tank. And like, yeah, like it, it should kind of come back to tank because he is like the driver, right? But in previous eras, like things could happen kind of independently that were exciting on their own. But and like Later on, it would come back to the, the like the, the driver, but now it's like no, it's like everything has to be connected to the driver, and it's pretty, it's pretty lame. It's just not, it's not fun. Uh, I just looked at the the clip of Shakur and Navarrete at the weigh-in. It's actually really funny. Um, I saw a tweet that they had to be pulled apart or like they were separated, which implies that like. Wait, Navarrete or De Los Santos? De Los Santos, I meant. Um, okay. But that implies like, oh, th- like would these dudes trying to scuffle at the weigh-in? But it's literally just Shakur talking trash to him. And Navarrete has, or, or not Navarrete, De Los Santos has this look on his face. Like he's really confused about what's happening, but at the same time is not willing to lose save face. So it looks like he just keeps saying the same thing over and over again but has that glazed over look in his eyes. Like, you know, I don't understand what you're saying right here. I also didn't watch with the sound on. So it could be that he actually, you know, I don't know. Maybe he did, but the look on his face to me tells me he's like, I, I, don't, I don't understand English, pal. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, I mean, he doesn't, I don't know. It's like, you know, I, I wish that there, I, I wish 130, one, oh, sorry, 135, 140, were a little less splinter. I feel like those two divisions are like key divisions in boxing. Maybe people don't recognize it right now, but they will soon. And they're pretty much split between like three stables, like like very evenly. And it just sucks because, again, prior to that 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 year that I mentioned, whatever it was like 2012, 13 or 14 or whatever, like stables have been pretty like 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 PBC has 47 and 54. Uh, Whoever had 160, whoever had heavyweight, and you know when divisions get splintered, I think it's not so good for the sport. Personally, eh, I I think the type of long term storytelling that needs to take place in order to build really big fights, you you need some. There there has to be barriers. Like this is storytelling. The 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 hero has to always have barriers before the conflict can get resolved. And and that gives the most satisfaction in any, you know, viewing of a story. And um, the barriers help a lot of the time in order to build toward that. Now, you could say, well, some of these fights like that, you know, we just want them to happen. Better be of in, in Bibble, great example. What, what storytelling you need to, to, 
to fucking happen there. Just make the fight happen. Like, no one cares about it anyway. And to that, no, I say, you're right. Well, that's a fight that should just happen. Like, like <laughs> yeah, that's a fight. It's like, you got no reason. But you know what? This is the funniest thing. Like, people got a lot of smoke for fights that, like, they're they're on the journey. Okay? They're on the journey to a million buys or whatever, right? But... And people complain at every step of the way until we got the fight. And then even then, they probably complain afterwards. But um, better be and Bivol, no one complaining. You know why? Because no one cares. Like, they don't care. They don't even care that they don't care. Like, that's why that fight doesn't matter. But I, I don't know. I mean, like, this goes back to my point. Like, if, if PBC had... Better beef or bivol? Do you think the energy would be the same? I don't. Uh, because like, when has PBC ever mm-hmm. had a fighter that like was in the like that had a belt and could have could unify with someone and people were just like completely were like, oh, whatever, who cares? Doesn't matter. When's PBC yeah, ever I've never, had dudes thought, like a bivol or it. better beef that? No, nah, it doesn't. It doesn't. It could be Gary Russell Jr. It could be. Uh, Sergey Lipinets, if he theoretically had a belt, it doesn't. I don't hey, care man. about the background of the fighter. But I think that matters because, <laughs> like, PBC don't get into the business of guys that will be in a position to no one care about. This is true. So it's, it's hard to say. Like, their business model is to not have a, a bivol, or at least you know I'm not saying that they wouldn't sign him. And I, you know, at this point. You'd be crazy not to want to deal with better BF. Like, you can definitely do something with this guy. And I think you could do something with Bivol, too. Um, the problem is where they're at, the, the, the you know, top rank and, and matchroom, I guess, don't really have any interest in doing what needs to be done with those guys. And they got no other options. But I, I don't, I don't know if people would have the same energy. I imagine that it would be. A little more hateful than it is now, but not by much because I don't think as many people care about that fight as like you. I'm not talking about you guys listening because obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably you probably care about that stuff. But the greater boxing public, they don't, they don't care. I mean, like they don't even know who these guys are. I my family member who I talk to about boxing every now and then. The only time he's ever talked about Bivol is in the context of Canelo. And he always says, well, Canelo should have never fought him because he's a light heavyweight. And that's it. So I don't even know how we got onto the subject. So you have to rein me back in. <laughs> um, I mean, we could talk about, you know, want to make an sh- official prediction for the Shakur fight. Have we spoken enough about it? Uh, mm. we could switch off to the heavyweight extravaganza. What are our thoughts on that? Um, uh, no, I I would just like to point out Brian Norman Jr. on the undercard against Quentin Randall. Seen a lot of calls for a Randall upset here. Remember, like what three or four years ago, we were talking about Brian Norman on the podcast as like a guy to watch. I don't know what it is how people got this dude Quentin Randall beating him, but I thought Brian Norman was a blue chipper. Has something changed? Um, I feel like Brian Norman's reputation is based off of sparring and not reality. 
and he might just be like a, a sparring guy. You well, know, like th- that's a thing for for those who don't know. In sports, you have like practice players who are like Jordan in practice, and then once the game starts, they become like <laughs> who they really are. Them lights are just too bright. Yeah, and and Brian maybe Brian Norman is like one of those guys who in, in sparring is like tricky, but like Kevin once Johnson. the real fights happen, the basketball player or the boxer, the boxer. <laughs> okay, remember the guy sure. in that video? Um, well, there's there's two clips. I think it was uh Brian. They they posted a video of this dude like carving Shakur up in sparring, and then there's a, the other video. Remember when Tim Zhu first came to the U.S. for the Gache fight? All right, it might have been after the Gache fight, but there was a dude beating his ass in sparring. That's Kevin Johnson. Yeah, I do remember. I do remember that. Um, I don't know, but Quentin Randall's 33 years old, 13 and 0 with three knockouts. Something tells me that uh, he ain't going to provide much of a challenge to uh, Brian Norman. I guess you could say that Brian Norman does drop a few rounds in almost all of his fights. You know, that 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 does say something, but I don't know. I got I got faith in, in Brian Norman. And then uh, talk about a guy who just like refuses to go away. Vladimir Hernandez back again. Fresh off his upset victory over uh, Chuck Simpson, Vladimir Hernandez will be fight facing Troy Isley. Troy Isley, 25. He was uh, part of the Olympic class that top rank had signed. 10-0, four knockouts. Um, I'm going to say the same thing I say every time someone's about to get in the ring with Vladimir Hernandez. If you are not ready to have the heat turned up on you, he's going to beat you. You back? I am back. All right. So, yeah, uh, nothing else really sticks out to me on the undercard apart from that. I will say that this is probably the, the in terms of records, the this is like a vast improvement over what Top Rank has been providing on their undercards. I mean, their undercards have been pretty dire the last year or so. To, to so. be fair, as as much as like I I enjoy criticizing top rank, um, I do think if you're like a if you're a hardcore fan or want to experience like some hot young prospects, this is probably a good card to go to. What do you like, mean like by to, that? Like, I mean, like Brian Norman is like an interesting name. You know, he could score an explosive knockout. Navarrete, potential Shakur opponent, Shakur. I mean, I think you could probably get into the venue for a, a fair price. So, like, um, while I think Top Rank has done a poor job of promoting this card for Shakur's sake, I do think this is an interesting card. If you're like, you know, uh, you want to get out and see you. Start out. <laughs> Let's do it. I'm not trying to invalidate what you're saying. I I like the undercard. Okay, who the fuck is showing up to the arena? At 2 p.m. on a Thursday afternoon. No one. I mean, like, boxing Twitter I mean, people. I'm sorry. And, I like the undercard, no, but, like, what are we no, doing? Sh- no shade to boxing Twitter people, but that's just who I think would show up. No, I. that's absolutely shade, but not, I mean, not really. I mean, like, no, you no, that's not fan, shade, like, yeah, I, you're going to be tuning in, but. I. It's, that's not shade, because, like, if. If PBC did a card like this and, and I lived in the city that they were doing it in, 
I would go. I would I would show up at like six o'clock. I would I, I don't think I would want to go to this particular card because I'm not really interested in any of the fighters, but that's me. I think others might be, and I would employ them to go or implore them to go. Sorry, not employ. The, some of them are employed to go, but that's a subject for another day. Yeah. It's hilarious. Um what do you make of the news of um Arnold Barboza signing with Golden Boy? Uh, the first thing I thought of when I saw that is like future Ryan opponent, like whether that happens or not, like who knows, but I'm sure that's like something they thought about when putting their name on the contract or signature on the contract. Um, the WBC convention was going on and, um, I guess it was last night for us because it was in Uzbekistan, which at some point I'll get into why yeah, it was in Uzbekistan and all that, but that's a Patreon podcast. I ain't trying to bog you down with, with you know, you, you regular listeners with all these details. But, I mean, go hit up the Patreon if you, you like that sort of, uh, you know, in the weedsness. But just a, a few things from the, the convention that I thought were really funny. Number one, Arison Lubin coming off a victory over Jesus Ramos. Controversial, sure. But it was a victory. WBC said, we don't care. Jesus Ramos will retain a ranking higher than Erickson Lubin. Did they make the right move there? Yo, I saw that. Hell no, they didn't make the right move. That's like Wow. I'm I'm just I'm I'm gonna give I'm gonna give the WBC the benefit of the doubt because like recently They don't deserve it. In watching No, no, in in watching how the WBC has handled Jamal Jamal's you know, situation. Mm-hmm. I, I give tremendous credit to the WBC. They're they're super consistently inconsistent, <laughs> and and it's like I, I think each sanctioning body has a specialty, and that's the WBC specialty. Like you can complain about what they do, but like eventually, it's going to benefit someone you like. Um. So I'm going to give them the benefit fair. of the doubt. I think I think that was an accident, an oversight, and it will be reversed. No, nah, apparently it was not that they 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 doubled down on it. So someone asked them about that, and they said, "No, that's our official stance." Yes. Well, no, not official, but somebody who works for the WBC basically was just like, "Not a mistake." Oh well, I guess I'm just going to have to say that's a racist. <laughs> that's racist. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, if if the tables were turned, you think freaking Jesus Ramos got an undeserving decision over Erickson Lubin and he, his that that's how they would do him? Hell no. So I, look, man, follow what it is. I'm I'm ninety nine percent of the time down to 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 agree with that, but in this situation here, I don't know if I agree. I don't know if I could call him racist racist for this, but stay tuned. There may be other the, the year's not over. We got a month and a half for them to uh, do some 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 foul shit. But yeah, I I I thought that that was really funny. But to be honest, like didn't you think Jesus Ramos won that fight? For sure, but there's a lot of people who thought Erickson Lubin won on my timeline. I don't agree with them at all, but it was just one of those fights where Jesus Ramos gave up a lot of rounds he shouldn't have. And I, I do. I, I would like to see a rematch, um, but yeah, I don't. I mean, that's how boxing <laughs> is, man. Not every, not every, you know, 
decision is going to be the right one. Yeah, I, I replied to a, a Reddit thread not too long ago. And this guy was like, how did the, you know, so, something about like, how did the sanctioning bodies work or why they follow the rules? And I'm just like, look, the first step, the first step you got to understand here is that you need to shut the fuck up about the sanctioning bodies. You just got to understand that the sanctioning bodies are like a guide. You don't got to color in the lines, but it, you know, it might help to get you, you know, to get the full picture. But at the end of the day, it's your drawing. You do not need to uh, like they don't follow their rules. So you don't need to know their rules. This is like a super like resigned way to look at the sport. But I think in in some instances, it is pretty valid to do this. And like in this situation, WBC don't follow their rules and it don't seem to care. And it's literally written into almost every sanctioning body's rules that it is at their discretion. And so why should you have to follow what they say? They don't follow it. So who cares? Who they rank at number one is, or who they rank period is not scientific. And it's purely a matter of whether or not they take a check from you or not. That's it. So yeah, number two, a guy from a, from boxer was advocating for rankings for two fighters that he did not promote. Another guy was um, advocating for a ranking. The WBC replied to him and said, well, he's been inactive. And the guy's like, shit, you're right. Forgetting that the guy fought literally last month. That's a big L. Um, They ordered... Sirhe Bohuchuk and Sebastian Fundura for the interim 154-pound title. Again, Wild West of boxing. Pretty sure that Mendoza was the interim. He lost to Tim Zhu. And I feel like not that doesn't necessarily mean it's true, but like the Zhu Mendoza fight was kind of marketed as like an interim title fight or interim unification. So I thought that like either we would do away with the interim or the interim would like just become Tim Zoo or something. But they said, nah, that we are going to get Fundura this title one way or the other. So Fundura has yet another opportunity to become WBC champion. I don't think that fight's going to happen. And I could be wrong. I think it could. Ray well, my skepticism hit. What, what is Sir Bohachuk doing? Yeah, yeah, that dude ain't doing anything. He got no opportunities out there. He's with Tom Lothner, and PBC is not letting Tom Lothner on a show and or Fundora go on a Tom Lothner UFC Fight Pass show. So, I mean, they, what they'll do again, is they'll could, just win a purse bid. Sergey Bocek comes and fights on a card, on a PBC card, gets treated like you know, like a big deal, and then win or lose, he goes back to the world of Tom Lothner and UFC Fight Pass. Um, Ray Vargas was ordered to fight Brandon Figueroa, which I think is going to be a great fight. And, uh, I guess that's really it in terms of like interesting things that are happening. Um, there was no other like funny things other than that. <clears throat> and, and, and Ganu got ranked at number 10. I think that's pretty ridiculous. Why do you think it's ridiculous? Uh, I mean, like, it's on brand for the WBC, but if you're, like, a purist, I could see why someone would hate it. I don't care, but... I have a hot take on this. Let's hear it. I think you should be ranked higher. <laughs> that is a hot take. I like it. But, no, but just think about it, okay? 
he arguably beat Tyson Fury, right? If right. you arguably beat a fighter and you weren't like some, you know, in any other division, you would typically enter like in the top five. Does losing a split is like I would imagine like what do you want? You want FA Ajagwa's resume or do you want split decision loss to Tyson Fury? Definitely not FA's resume. So put this dude above FA Ajagwa. Do I think Nganu would beat <laughs> actually that's does Nganu beat FA Ajagwa? Nah, and I, I don't like FA, but FA will get him. I think F.A. could fuck around and get himself knocked out. If F.A. lost to Ngannou, like, I, I would be more impressed with the Fury loss, even though I didn't think Ngannou had a chance against Fury. I'm just saying. All right, well, well, we'll wrap this up right here. They announced a big heavyweight card for Saudi Arabia. It's got a number of guys that you may know. Deuce posted a, a movie poster of The Expendables 3, which I think is basically what this card is. I mean, it is cool to get a lot of these guys whose names you recognize specifically at the top. You got Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua. What I don't like is the fact that they're getting credit for this card. Like, Wilder and Joshua are not fighting each other. They are trying to position it like they are, which I think is like definitely shady, false advertising. But they're not fighting each other. And they don't get credit for that. And Hearn has, if you listen to what Hearn is saying, they they that fight is not signed. There is no guarantee that Wilder and Joshua are going to fight. And the way Hearn is curbing everything with their other options out there could just be a negotiating tactic. But I also think that there is potential that they could just walk away and fight for the title. Because even if that fight does happen next, it will not be for a title. And you know what will make Wait, that so fight even bigger? So like I, having a title. I haven't watched the interviews from that event quite yet. So, like, Eddie Hearn has said that the Wilder thing isn't guaranteed. Mm-hmm. He said that on Wax. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I don't, like, my take on this is it's stupid, right? Like, as much as I love any particular fighter, what's most important to me is that what's happening in the sport is good for the sport. And I, I don't really think this Dubai mess is good for, or sorry, Ryder or whatever. Riyadh stuff is good for the sport. Saudi Arabia. Like the fight's going to be on in the afternoon. There's no storytelling with how the fights were made. There's probably shady business going on with like, like, for example, the Wilder Joshua thing. Like everyone thinks Joshua's at the end of this fight. You're making it sound like he's not. I don't think he is because I just know how, how snaky Eddie Hearn is and how like, you know, bright eyed and bushy tailed Wilder can be. So I, you know, I don't, I don't trust this whole situation and I could be wrong, but, um, I, I just don't think this uplifts the sport. You know, people get excited because like, Oh my God, look at all the names on one single card. It might trend a little bit on Twitter. There might be viral moments, but it doesn't really bring in more fans. And that sucks to me. So, um, you know, I'm not supporting it. I do think it's gimmicky. I do think it's a cash grab. But uh, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, look, seeing Wilder and Joshua on the same night, well, technically in the same daytime card, is pretty cool. J- Joshua's probably the only one on the wait, card. Is it, is it, how, wait, wait, 
how cool is it really? Like, is it cool in concept or is it actually cool? Like, what is AJ right now? Like, is he is he the guy that we used to think? Or like, what you know what I mean? Like, is this really cool? I think yeah. for most people, like, even if you don't like the fight, a Joshua fight and a Wilder fight are still Joshua and Wilder fights. Now, I okay. know it's going to be a little different because it's happening in Saudi Arabia, blah, blah, blah. But it's still like those guys, you know, like you still got the A-side name. Now, this, my problem with specifically those two guys is that, and I said this on the Patreon podcast, so sorry if I'm repeating myself, but like the logical fight to make is those two guys. You don't have any reason to not make that fight. There's no reason. There's no, like, it's like, okay, I understand if you don't make Shakur versus Devin Haney. That should have been made, but I understand why that fight wasn't made on on that uh, when they had the opportunity. I get it. Those guys are both young. You have a lot of time, and in that fight can grow into something really big. Deontay Wilder's fight with Robert Hellenius was a disaster. It sold very poorly, both tickets, pay-per-views. It was a disaster, and a huge departure from where Deontay was with Tyson Fury, where they had the second fight did a, in a tremendous number, the third fight didn't do very well, but but respectable. And the first fight was a success based off of what it was thought to do and what it actually did. It wasn't huge, but it was definitely way bigger than anybody expected. Anthony Josh was kind of in a similar spot where um, they've taken him every time, or they've taken him to Saudi Arabia a couple of times now at this point, and his star power is waning quite a bit. Why are these guys taking interim fights before they fight each other? That, it does not make sense to me, especially in the heavyweight division where anything could happen. They're both favorites. They're going to go in as big favorites. I do think Joshua is in a much trickier fight. Also, a fight that does not prepare him for Deontay Wilder, by the way. Just really interesting. If like you're really going to take an interim fight, you want a guy that's going to kind of show a little bit of what you're going to expect. You know, when Ryan... And Tank, if you look at the opponents Ryan was facing, he was fighting small southpaws and because they needed to prepare him to fight Tank, which, I mean, didn't really work, but whatever. But there's no reason. Like, Saudi Arabia claimed they got all this money, blah, blah, blah. No matter fuck, you don't make the fight that everybody wants to see. I don't get it. We don't need most of these guys on the card. Every fight on the undercard is, you know, taking away Joshua and Wilder. No one brings anything to the table. You are not going to tune in because somebody else is on that card. You're tuning in. Shout, for... shout to Hergovich. Shout to Hergovich, though. That's my guy. All right, fine. Lex will give you Hergovich, too. But outside <laughs> of those three guys, no one's going to look at this card and say, you know what? I see Anthony Joshua. I see Deontay Wilder. Don't care. Wait a second. Is that... Is is that Mahmoudov Arslanbek on the card? I think I'll tune into this. I think I'll cancel my... No, you're tuning in for the top guys. You don't need those other ones. Take all that fucking money you're spending on these guys in fights that we don't need. Go get some bozos that no one cares about. Put them on the undercard and then make the fight we want to see. It's that simple. But that's, a, that's, that's like the problem I have with this card is like you're outsourcing like boxing as a whole, as a collective, is outsourcing fighters to a country that like there's no market for like all, right. all the guys on this card want to be paid x amount and there's no real route for them to make 
that money, you know, and, and like, like Hearn is probably running out of ideas in the UK while they're once used to do uh, Saudi Arabia money from PBC. It's not there. Parker, who the hell is he going to fight? I mean, the whole, from the top to the bottom, all these guys are kind of asked out and it just sucks that like some stupid ass Saudi Arabia is stepping up to the plate and is going to make it happen. When in reality, and this is not not like, it's tough, right? Because it's like, who am I to say, like, the fighter shouldn't make X, Y, Z? But, like, that's how boxing is. Like, that's the nature of the beast. And, like, if you have to hustle and, like, come up with, like, creative ways to, like, you know, get, I, I don't want to say scam because it's not like they're deceiving anyone. But, like, hustle some money. Like, go for it. But, again, it's, it's, it's only a bag for the fighters. That's all, it, that's all this event represents. It doesn't do anything for Saudi Arabia. Doesn't do anything for the promoters. Doesn't do anything for the fighters besides get them paid. It's just extending something that you know. It's it's again to bring it back to your original point. It is Expendables heavyweight edition. Yeah, I mean there are a lot of problems with the fights being in Saudi Arabia, and it's not just the obvious thing. Like, I just want to point something out. Like, Bivol fought there. He fought Zerto there. How's that work for his career? He has not done shit. And he's got to go back. You know why? Because the demand that he's now got versus what people like the demand in, the, in in everywhere else, you know, actual fans, what they want to see is completely out is now been lapped by what he expects to get paid when he enters the ring. Now, Bill is a talented fighter. That dude got a win over Canelo. He's got a win over um, Zerto when Zerto actually meant something. Um, just a supremely talented fighter, but he can't get a fight in the U.S. And there's a reason for that. And it has nothing to do with how good he is. It's just like no one cares about this guy. And you know what actually is going to make it even worse so less people care about you? You go and fight somewhere else at a time when no one's watching. Talk like Not only are you going to fight someone else at a time that no one's watching, but he, his, I've never even heard of his opponent. Lyndon Arthur, I've heard of him before. He's he's domestic British. Oh guy. no, like, I'm sorry. I, I thought it was someone else. I have heard of Lyndon Arthur, but that's not like the name that's going to get you. Like, it's, it's not going to do you any favors fighting Lyndon. No, Arthur. no, no. Lyndon Arthur's like no one knows him in the UK, right? So, um, I mean, look, is this something I will watch? Yes. Is it something I'll pay for? Probably not. Um, this is a heavyweight showcase fight, you know. You got a bunch of guys fighting in predictable matchups. I do think that the only like fight here that like is really intriguing to me is the Joshua Wallen fight. But I mean, that's it. You know, Wallen's had up up and down performances as of late. So I don't know if the guy who I I was impressed with, you know, a few years back, if that guy even still is is there, or as like the inactivity and the recent up and down performances like is that more of who he is i don't know so that's the only intriguing fight there um but but that's about it but like it just boggles my mind that these guys talk such a big game about what they can bring to boxing and then they put on a fucking showcase card that if anybody in the u.s try to put this on people would be torching it up and down and i get a lot of people media you were talking about are being paid to promote this card you know what to look for, you know, you'll see it. 
And so you got these guys, you know, putting this card over like it's the greatest thing. But like, let's be real. If this fight was on ESPN, people will be pissed off. If this fight was on Showtime, people would be pissed off. You ain't going to charge me to to watch all that. This is another question I have is who who do you think is broadcasting this fight? I think um, I'm pretty sure that this is going to wind up being a joint pay-per-view between ESPN and DAZN, similar to the way Jake Paul's uh, fight with Nate Diaz was. Which is to say, so, I think this is so going to be an independent broadcast with those guys just selling versions of the stream. That's what I think is it's going to be. Makes sense. So, yeah. Um, when I first heard about this fight being legitimate, I saw Queensberry on like the flyer mm-hmm. and thought it would for sure be a, a ESPN thing. But like mm-hmm. now that I see like AJ's involved, that changes the whole entire take for me. Well, let's remember how the Saudis have done business previously. And that is that when they put these fights on, they retain the broadcast rights. And so it is on them to sell the TV rights to somebody. So I would imagine right now, no one's broadcasting it and they're working that out. Somebody's got to come to the table and figure out how much they're going to pay. Now, if you're a broadcaster, I mean, what incentive do you really have to like pay a shitload of money for this? When I mean, I don't think this is going to sell very well. But two, it's like it's the Saudis. They they do they really be need you know do they really need all this money? This card won't sell anything. I mean, if if to be completely honest, if Ngannou and Fury couldn't sell anything, if I had to take a pick as a salesperson to sell Ngannou versus Fury. For this card, I would pick Ngannou versus Fury, personally. Yeah, I think if we really look at it, like that should have been a slam dunk fight to promote. So anyway, we're going to wrap it up right here. We'll be back next week. We're on the Patreon as well. Go on to patreon.com slash Sunday Puncher. If you like the podcast, leave a good rating, leave a review. Um, We got Shakur tomorrow night. And then it's a little bit of downtime this weekend. Uh, not as down as this past weekend. This past weekend was rough. Um, I, you know, I had nothing to do on Saturday night. You got Subriel Matias fighting almost a mirror image of himself. Uh, that fight, I mean, I cannot wait for. Uh, so, yeah, any final words for you? Nope. Uh, just hanging tight until Benavidez Andrade. And hopefully we get PBC's next steps soon. Oh, that that network when that network announcement hits the timeline, it's gonna be like And and by the way, I, I know what the deal is and I think you guys are gonna like it. I'm just gonna say right now he don't know shit. <laughs> Listen, I got I got big Al Heyman's direct, okay? Don't even worry Listen. about what I know and what I don't know. Listen, if anybody's going to leak it, it's going to be me. <laughs> but I'm here to tell you, I don't know nothing. So we'll leave it right there. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll be back.